Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. I've started and stopped this episode for weeks now. Hi, everyone who are usual listeners, I guess. I honestly don't know what to even say because, first of all, I feel super self-conscious about not posting an episode for a month. My overachiever status just screams that I'm a loser and a failure. If I miss even one week, so imagine four weeks without even the excuse of, you know, I'm starring in an opera, which was the last time I missed a chunk of time. This time, the reason is just something that rarely ever happens to me, but I didn't know what to say. And this is in the aftermath of the leather contest that my beloved owner and husband, the Spouse Meister, participated in over Labor Day weekend. So since then, I've had a lot of emotional back and forth that has occurred. And part of me wanted to do that thing where I dropped it and moved on and never spoke about it again. And that wasn't very satisfying. And then I had an entire episode in my head where I pulled apart the entire (laughs) master-slave quote-unquote community for allowing shit like these contests to go on once I had seen the, the other side of it. And I'm very glad I did not record an episode in that state of mind because where I am today is a much better emotional place for me and I can speak on it with some compassion for myself and for my emotional process. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I don't know. Anyway, so for folks who are unaware, Spouse Meister and I participated in a leather contest. What the fuck is a leather contest, you say? Well, The short version is in the same way that there are beauty pageants. And for those of you who know about drag courts, there's that sort of thing as well. And in the leather community, there are various contests. Most of them are regional or locational, i.e. you can be Mr. SF Eagle Bar. You can represent that bar as a hot dude. You can be Miss San Francisco Leather, which I was, or International Ms. Leather, which I also was. But there are also other titles in the master-slave community. There are regions in the U.S. It's broken up into four or five regions, I think. And each of those regions has representatives of people who are considered ostensibly by the local community, but of course it winds up being just by whoever the judges are, to have a master-slave relationship that is something that is demonstrative of a positive image of MS, right? And this is not something I had ever really been into because I was like, what is the point of that? For for Miss San Francisco Leather, I could talk about like what it meant to me to be a leather woman. And same for International Miss Leather, also known as IMSL. And I will refer to it as IMSL from now on because it's International Miss Leather. Or IMSBABA, if we want to talk about the whole contest, because there is also a boot black who is your, your cohort, part of your cohort when you are 
an international title holder. You have you and you have your boot black. And that's a wonderful relationship. For me, at least, my boot black Jason is family for me now. He and his wife are just spectacular human beings. This contest, like I said, was not something I ever thought that I would be interested in, mostly because I was like, I don't like being judged generally. And so like getting a bunch of people to judge me was like also not something I really was like wanting to do. But when we were at the International Master Slave Conference, so deftly run by Tomo, who took over it last year, the Spassmeister got inspired. He was like, I want to do this too. I want to serve the community. I want to go out and represent for master slave relationships because I love you so much. And I love my beloved slave. And I was like, okay, if you really want to do this, we'll do it. Prior to that, I'd had a conversation with the individual who is at the head of this organization. He goes by the name Taino. And he and I had had a falling out years ago. And I never spoke about it publicly because I just still had hammered in my head that you don't talk about bad things uh, in the leather community. And then it got to the point where I was like, fuck it, you do. And then this had happened so long ago and dude wasn't even in my sphere anymore that I just ignored it. I was like, fuck this guy, fuck these people. It's not a big deal. I've moved on, whatever. When I was at the International Master Slave Conference in the spring with the Spouse Meister, we wound up having a really amazing and beautiful interaction with a couple, a house of blue, who are just really impressed me with their candor and their just warm energy. And they mentioned to me that they were in fact going to be taking over the Master Slave Conference and that my previous poor experiences were not something that they wanted to see going forward. They really wanted folks like us, like me and the spouse master, to feel welcome and comfortable in their event. And so I said, you know what? Change happens. That's amazing. Maybe there's a shot that this could be different. Because the last time I went there, I felt like an alien. I felt like an outcast. I felt very rejected, very, just not treated very well, even though I was there as a presenter and as international Ms. Leather. But I chalk that up to just my bad vibes. I was really busy that year and not every event can be perfect. What happened that year, which was 2010, when I was international Ms. Leather, I had been personally invited by Taino to present at the event. It was a courtesy and a formality, I think mostly just because I was international Ms. Leather. And as a title holder, this is something that you are afforded. And so I said, yes, I would love to. That'd be great. And since I, in that year, had stepped away from insisting that I be compensated financially in some way for my efforts and work, which sounds weird, right? But it's controversial in the BDSM and leather community to actually pay people for their labor. So I said to him, I would love to do this. The only thing I ask is, please, if you could cover my airfare, you know, and get me a room. I don't mind sharing a room. That's fine. That's all I need. And he said, of course, no problem. Handshake, hug, you know, hug Jason, my boot black. And I was like, this is really great. Wonderful. I went to the event. I did not have the most wonderful time there. The high point of the event was that I got to sit in the slave circle with my leather mom, Vi Johnson, and be in a room with a bunch of other people who identified as submissives and slaves and have honest, candid conversations about what our lives were like. And it was so beautiful and so engaging and so wonderful. And that was like my one big takeaway from that weekend. At the end of the weekend, I went to see Taino. There was a little desk set up where he was compensating people for like expenditures and handing out checks to folks. And so shook his hand, gave him a hug, said, thank you. This is great. 
tucked the check into my wallet, got in a cab, got on a plane, got back. I don't even know where I went after that. Who knows? I was almost never at home. But when I went to deposit the check, I noticed it was for about 170 something dollars and not the 300 something dollars of my airfare. And I had struggled to get airfare that was under the $350 limit that he had mentioned to me. And so I wrote back and I said, hello, I think there's been a mistake, some sort of clerical error. I resent the receipt for my plane ticket. And he wrote back to me and said, I don't remember telling you I would pay you for all of that. And then he said in the email, do you have it in writing? And I wrote back and I said, no, I don't have it in writing because it was a verbal agreement, a handshake agreement. And right there in front of my friend and bootblack Jason, and I assumed that a leatherman of your caliber would be good for his word. And it seems I was mistaken. And he never offered to make this up or anything of that nature. So when I was reinvited to come and check out this event, I said to Mr. Blue, you know, um, I have a less than stellar history with Taino, the gentleman who runs the event. And he said to me, maybe we can work through that. So fast forward to a few weeks later, and he had arranged for us to have a phone call so we could maybe air our differences and maybe put shit back together because it had been a decade plus, right? Like, can't we all get along? And so I explained my situation super straightforward. And he was like, well, I don't remember that, but he had a problem with something I had posted about him on Facebook. And he wanted to let me know that he was very upset and hurt about the fact that I had said and done this thing about him. Now, the thing I said about him was reflective of the fact that he had stolen money from me, essentially, right? When you say you're going to pay someone and then you don't pay them, that's theft, deception. I don't know what it is. Fraud, petty, whatever. It's shit is what it is. And his assertion was, well, I don't remember that, but you said this thing about me, so now I'm offended, which is a tactic that abusers use when they are faced with their own issues, right? They will say, oh, I, maybe I did this thing, but you did this thing too. So we're even, we're equal. And I'm not sure how my post on social media, taken out of context, is equivalent to you not giving me the money that you promised you would give to me. So can you explain how that is? And he had nothing good to say about that. And the irony is that the thing he was assailing me with was an out-of-context clip. And I said to him, as we were having this conversation on the phone, can you give me the context for why I was saying that this behavior doesn't surprise me because I had had an unpleasant experience with him? What behavior was it? What was I reacting to? This was not out of context. It's clear that this was in a larger thread. Well, he didn't have the screenshot for the rest of the thread. So I'm supposed to just accept that the fact that he refused to pay me the money promised is balanced up by the fact that years later, I said I'd had an unpleasant experience with him. So that left things just sort of like, okay, everyone said their piece. I thought, okay, well, you know what? We're fucking adult. Let's move past this. Also, let me just say, he also declined to apologize. Because here's the thing. He was like, I don't remember. But the thing is also, if you don't remember something and someone's saying you harmed me, you can say, I don't remember, but I don't want my intentions not to harm you. And I'm sorry that you were harmed. But he's not sorry that I'm harmed. And he has no, he had no desire to reconcile at all. Which would have been fine had we not been heading headlong into a situation where I had to be <laughs> in a, in an event that was run by him and his people for five days. Just before the event occurred, I got a call from someone I absolutely trust who just wanted to warn me about the Master Slave Conference and the board 
and the people running it, because as they said, they are not your friend and you are walking into a situation where you are at a definite disadvantage. In hindsight, that was a very kind light into which this person cast the situation there. Because from the moment we arrived officially at the event to our registrations being lost, our meal tickets not being there, no place for us to sit at the banquet that we paid money to be at. We were not offered a seat. The debriefing for the contestants, for those of us, was delayed by 45 minutes while the, uh, <laughs> while the, they, they sent spies actually to just watch us to see what we were doing while we were forced to wait for 45 minutes. And I'm aware of that. This is part of the whole thing, part of the whole event, right? Is that your dynamic is supposed to be observed. People are supposed to see how you act and how you be. I can tell you I've been attending kink, BDSM, and leather events regularly since 1997. And never in that time have I felt so uncomfortable, so unhappy at an event. Never have I seen so many people existing in this gray haze, just energetically damped down and sad. There was such a sadness. There were people smiling and laughing, having a great time, but there was also this aura that just started to wrap around me and I started to feel quite strangled by the second night of the conference, I wound up having a breakdown. And this was after the third time that Spousemeister and I had attempted to make just polite social contact with Taino, the guy who's running this event. And he all three times turned his back and walked the other way. And I'm sure if he was asked, he would say he didn't see us because that's the kind of person he is. He's the sort of person who says and does whatever he wants. And for whatever reason, people just trail along behind him despite me not being the only person who he has done harm to. Besides the fact that it's very easy for folks to look from the outside of a relationship and say, well, I don't see the master-slave relationship, when I have always taught that it's not about what you see, it's about what's in the heart. But this is the key point. I did not know and I did not realize until we were up there in front of the panel of judges being peppered with questions that what they wanted was not an authentic couple who were just living their lives. What they wanted was dressage. And if you're not familiar with what dressage is, dressage is a formal competition of, of horsemanship. It is so that you can see how powerful and clever and, 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 and brilliant the horse and the rider are together. It's showing off. It's demonstrating your skill. And what they want is to see you kneeling and bowing and scraping, and they want to see the master mastering somehow. How do you show that? Well, I guess you kneel and you have your head hanging down and you do all this other shit. And then it clicked for me because one of the questions we were asked was by someone who had been both the regional title holder and as well a national title holder. They said that, well, between the regional title holding and the national event, they received feedback on how they should improve the appearance of their dynamic. And the question was asked, what would we do to change our dynamic if we received the same feedback? And the spouse master and I looked at each other and said, nothing. Why would we change who we are? We, we're, we're, we love each other and this is our dynamic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not knowing that the correct answer was, of course, it would change who we are because that's what is done. I'm not going to go into all the detail about how miserable the fucking weekend was. I have a Facebook post that was written by one of our support team, Alex, and it's on my profile if you want to dig it up. It came up right after that Labor Day weekend. But the reality was that by the end of that contest, what I realized was 
we were never going to win. We were never going to even make the minimum of points, which is what happened. And then just to make a weekend that had been so emotionally taxing, where both the Spousemeister and I had, both of us had broken down on more than one occasion, just because of the strain of the negativity and the poor treatment and feeling like garbage. Now, mind you, not to kiss our ass, but usually we're in places where we are welcomed and treated well. And people reflect back to us the the energy that we bring in, which is love. So to have that turned around and spit back in our face, and then to be in front of a ballroom of over 400 people and told, I'm sorry, you were not good enough for us. Go home. Now, let me say to you, I have seen other contests where couples or the individual running has not made the quote-unquote minimum points. I have seen it, but what I have never seen is that person or those people then taken up on stage in front of everyone in order to receive that news. Usually they are taken to their dressing room. Oh, but wait, we didn't have a dressing room. We didn't even have a private area somewhere where we could be together to prepare for this because they did nothing for us. Nothing. Except bring us on stage to humiliate us in front of hundreds of people. Now, I was told later that that was a decision that was made entirely by one person and that they were sorry that it had gone down that way, but that their thought process had been that we should go up on stage and at least be recognized for the work that we had put in and not just scurried away. That recognition consisted of dead silence for 30 seconds. There was no applause. There was no warmth. There was no nothing. There was just a dead fucking silence in that room. As I stood there looking at the panel of judges, knowing, knowing that some of them had felt that we were just trash and garbage and walked off that stage. There were three people who did actually step out of the ballroom immediately to, to, to meet us as we left. And I want to say a heartfelt and profound thanks to those people. They know who they are. It's so hard for me to talk about because for me, being on stage has been my safe place my whole life. I've always loved being on stage because I love making people laugh or making people think or making people feel. And the reason I didn't want to do this podcast was because I knew I couldn't get through telling the story without reflecting the hurt and the pain. And I did not want those pieces of shit to know that I was hurting. But then I realized that I don't care. Those people are nothing to me. I found out later because no one can keep their fucking mouth shut that it was two judges on the panel of six who tanked our scores. And I'm, and I'm familiar with who they are. And the reality is, my life, their spouse master's life, is light years ahead of anything they could ever imagine. The love that we have exists and glows and shines beyond anything they have. And the deception and the lies and the the buffoonery that it takes to win a title is insane. I want to underscore that by telling you that the step-down speech of the couple that had won that regional title and as well the international title this year last year, rather, sorry. The step-down speech was about how he had hidden part of his identity as a kinkster, that being that he was a switch. He'd hidden it 
because he knew his words that if he came out with it that there was a chance that people would judge him and that he would not be accepted as a master because he was not a quote-unquote true master because he switched so he hit it so this person lied in order to win a title i've observed people lying in order to win titles I observed a couple who was running for a title shift their dynamic entirely into this bowing, scraping, yes ma'am, no ma'am, blah, blah, blah scenario. And yes, they won as well. And I foolishly thought that just being who you are is enough. Every night before the banquets, the banquets where we had to sit at a table that we had to run to get a seat at because they did not offer us as contestants, as the only contestant, I might add, because the other contestant couple who were going to run dropped out when they heard we were running because they were like, oh, we don't want to run against them. <laughs> you should have run, kids. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you. Never assume. Never assume. I then went from that, packed up the truck and everything that we'd bought and all the thousands of dollars that we spent on travel and stuff and looking cute and putting together our package to be auctioned off, which is another issue right there. We didn't win. And then I was like, well, give us our stuff back. And then the board had to meet to decide whether or not we were going to get our things back. And they graciously decided that despite the fact that they didn't have to give the things back, they would out of the grace and kindness of their hearts. Still haven't gotten that stuff, by the way, so we'll see when that happens. But I had to go from that and turn around and spend about three days at home to turn this around. And myself and a member of our leather family, Morgan, and uh, the spouse Meister drove up to a retreat in upstate New York, <laughs> where I was one of the staff for a retreat that's run by my dear friend, Barbara Corellas. And boo, that was a gear shift to go from the most awful moment I've ever experienced on stage in my entire life, 54 years, to having to be nurturing and helpful and open and hold space for people. And uh, you know what? I fucking did it. You know why I fucking did it? Because it's what I fucking do. I do it. I get shit done. Because I am a slave. Because I am a submissive. Because I am proud and strong. One of the things that let me know immediately that something had gone very off the rails was when there was one of these montages of how amazing the person who founded this event is. And then he got up on stage and gave this speech about his humble beginnings when he had first started studying with this particular master. And when he said this guy's name, my ears immediately popped because I was like, wait a second, I know that guy. I know that guy because the very first dominant to whom I ever submitted consciously also studied with him at the same time. And that deeply influenced the leather household in which I was first raised. Year and a half, year and three quarters there. And it was the type of MS that I walked away from. It was the type of MS that lifts up and rains honor down on a woman who was rolled on stage in a wheelchair because this fucking happened, rolled on stage in a wheelchair and commended for the fact that despite the fact that she had been in, in a hospital, she came out of the hospital ready to work her ass off to get the program done 
for this event. This is the same type of mastery that has a fundraiser for someone in the community who lost a leg to illness when their master seemed to not have made sure that they had health insurance or something. I don't know. All I know is I wonder where this person's owner is. I wonder what the situation is. I wonder why I see so many submissives wrapped in a cloak of sadness. If you ask my leather mom Vi, she will tell you that if she had a nickel for every story of abuse visited on submissives and slaves, she would have the money for an entirely brand new from the ground up home for the Carter Johnson Leather Library that she runs. It's an amazing, amazing project whereby the history of sexual freaks, weirdos, deviants, perverts, and kingsters is all gathered under the roofs of several homes and now spreading out across the country and across the world even. I can't imagine what it must be like to have heard for decades these stories, to have that poured into you and to see people in pain. And now I realized why they had decided not to repeat the slave circle. And now I realized why I would never be a title holder for them. Because you know what happens when I talk to submissives and slaves who are being maltreated, who are being stepped on, who are not being cared for? They leave. They get up and they go. I've had five different submissives in the past two years tell me that my teachings showed them that their situations were not okay, and they needed to go. And do you want that person representing you when you are based on the idea that chattel slavery is actually the ideal? And that once it's consensual, you can do whatever the hell you want emotionally to your slave? The idea that the prime directive, that it is a slave's primary responsibility to protect the property that is themselves at all times, up to and including from the master themselves, that that is not at the center of your master-slave relationship? The thing is, you guys, they were right. And the fact is, we don't represent them. We have nothing to do with a master-slave relationship that's about bowing and scraping. We have nothing to do with a master-slave relationship that is about sadness on my part. We have nothing to do with a master-slave relationship that relies on bowing and scraping and ritual and protocol to be solid. Ritual and protocol is great. If that's what turns you on. But to say to people that you are open to all sorts of MS and then to reject people because their MS is messy, because their MS is chaotic. Well, you're not really welcoming, are you? For most of you, this has probably been a bit of a blur. But for those of you in the kink and leather communities, for those of you who are specifically seeking out master slave relationships, listen to me right the fuck now. I'm telling you this from the bottom of my fucking heart. Do not engage with these people if what you want to do is what you want to do. Those of you who have gone to these events and felt judged, you were. Those of you who have gone to this match slave conference and felt sort of odd or weird or off, it's not just you. What they are doing is very different. It's very different from what the Spouse Meister and I have. And you can't have a light as bright as ours is, a love as strong as ours is, achievements as amazing as ours are as a master and slave couple 
around the sadness and grayness of this other situation, around people who lie in order to become a title holder. I'm going to get my own fucking leather patch made up for the spouse meister and for me. And it'll probably say something like housewolf style, boobs and snacks forever. (laughs) I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank all the people who love us. I want to thank each and every person who loved on us. I want to thank the master who surrounded us with her entire leather family after we had our first breakdown and collapse because we were being treated so poorly. I want to thank that master for her love and her consideration. I want to thank the masters who came out and embraced us after this humiliation. I want to thank the masters who looked my master in the eye and said, we are peers, I see you and I respect you. Those are the people who are our family. Those are not the two judges who decided that they would do whatever they could to fulfill the wishes of the founder of that event and to humiliate us. Because despite that moment of pain, the ultimate outcome is they showed their faces, the masks slipped. And now everyone can see that the type of MS, the type of MS that the Spousemaster and I have is toxic and poisonous to them. It's not what they consider MS. It's not what they consider MS. And if the love and the devotion and the singularity of purpose that I have as property of my beloved feels good to you, if you hear the way I speak about him, if you see the way he looks at me, and that's what you want, you will not find it there. You will, however, find it because it's out there and you can have it. I love you so much and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful to you for hearing my words now that I have finally found them. And I'll try to get back to lighter fare soon or not. I don't fucking know. I do know I love you. And I'm grateful. (laughs) Let's take three deep cleansing breaths. May those who love be loved. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.